0: Welcome to the Old Chats pod with me, Amesha here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way with two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way.
1: Welcome to episode seven. This is the Disappointments Chat. Here we reflect on moments of disappointment in our lives and how our poor mental health at the time led us to believe the world was crashing down. On the contrary, it was the opposite.
0: How do doing, factor? How this has been a long time. I haven't done this what? It must be about like two or three weeks at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, how how things been in the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, to be fair, I was quite fortunate like you to, to get away with some mates. It was good to get away away from London, away from a laptop computer, but still kind of had like a little dip here and there and i think that kind of kind of coincides with like reading the news and like two big things that, that came out for me was the whole black lives matter performance by diversity and britain has got talent and the response uh, and also the fact that it was like suicide prevention day last week getting to a spiral of reading articles tweets and it just kind of snowballs yeah
1: what did you make of it then so it was this has been quite recent hasn't it that's, that's come out
0: yeah so i think the diverse performance was a couple of weeks ago and then um tuned into Good Morning Britain with the good old Piers Morgan. And obviously, they were debating it like anything, but it was the fact that, yeah, it got like 24,000 complaints. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, there's millions of people watching, but it's still one of the most complained about things on TV of the last decade. And I think this kind of goes back to our episode two with Larry in the sense of when some people think of Black Lives Matter, probably uneducated people think it's a massive political movement when it's not necessarily that. And if you watch the performance, I'm sure the listeners will do, but a lot of this is just like a recap of the year, of 2020, and obviously they mentioned COVID and you can't not mention Black Lives Matter.
1: Yeah, I think that was the complaints, weren't they, that for Ofcom? There was about violent scenes or scenes alluding to violence and then also scenes of sort of a political nature come up, but I mean, for me, it's not, it's not really a political issue, in a sense. And it's yeah, not, great. you know, it's not like they're spelling out you know, fuck the Tories with their arms and legs. You know, in advance, it's not—it's not UK specific. It's more for just a kind of social cultural point. And as you said, it's—it's it's kind of like, well, that—that that has been our year so far. You know, it would almost be if they weren't to, to allude to it in some way, it would almost be kind of censoring that side of it to an extent. I just think that, yeah, I don't know, like that number, twenty-four thousand—that's big. I was surprised to, when I looked into Ofcom a bit more because I always thought, you know, like, you get hundreds sometimes for. Um, some complaints 24 is like like you said second largest I don't know whether that's a lot of part to do with sort of lockdown in general and yeah. just that because yeah, there's obviously the watching of it and then the number of people who were offended at the time was, was much lower than that it was like four or five percent so it's easy to blow it out of proportion because that's people who are watching the news a lot more like you said there's a lot more coverage of this kind of stuff Um, it's incredibly topical so it's it seems to be much more of a kind of retroactive complaint than a real shock factor to it it's it's not shocking to me really at all like it's after watershed um, even not that that even matters but it's not like anything shocking to it I just think it's I don't know it's a bit I mean people I said that during lockdown they're just taking out frustrations I think on something that uh, is dividing a lot of people and it just doesn't I don't feel that divisive nature to it at all. I just think, and Banjo came out afterwards and said, you know, well, my message is just, I'm just trying to be positive and just, you know, spread a bit of love about this year because this year has been so shit. And that's, this is my reaction to it. And it's, you know, it's a dance. I'm an, I'm an expressive artist. You know, I'm going to use my material. I'm not going, I'm not going to shy away from it. Why should I shy away from it? So yeah, I mean, it rightly got chucked out by Ofcom. Um, they didn't see any political content there. So um, right decision.
0: ITV came out with a statement as well, obviously supporting them. And that was kind of kind of upset me in the sense of there's so much more, This like this country, forget about America, there's so much more this country needs to do to educate people in this sort of topic. The extreme people are like, oh, it's political views, political views. but the middle ground and the way it should be, the way that's right, as Larry mentioned before, is just looking after your mates and say, well, whatever, people of colour. And I think this whole, the whole thing is just getting exaggerated. It's giving people a reason to argue when they don't really have a leg to stand on. That was just what I kind of felt over the last few weeks. Um, and I think it's great that people have, the vast majority of people have supported Ofcom and supported ITV in the way of squashing it.
1: Yeah, that's true. The majority was in, in favour of it and coming out and praising it. So it's a minority view, but it's still a big number. You know, it's, it's I don't know if it's shocking, but it's definitely surprising to see that, that you know, that many people felt compelled to really complain about it
0: yeah yeah no true during that search of the whole diverse thing on twitter i came across a tweet that said more people have died from depression and suicide in august than covid and obviously i looked into it and there's no there's no statistics to back that up uh, just because everything gets so delayed in terms of uh, suicide figures um, but in the research of that this month in september they actually released the 2019 figures for the uk and what's very alarming on that is especially male, it says said, it said suicide rate, but male suicide rate uh, hits the two decade high in England and Wales in last year in 2019. Yeah. And obviously we're not going to know the 2010 figures to probably this time next year, but it just shows how much of a, a problem suicide, depression, mental health actually still is in the UK.
1: Yeah. I think um, the breakdown of those numbers was, was really interesting. I found looking at the kinds of, obviously men are kind of, you know, three to four times more likely to take their own life in the UK. But it was really looking at um, different areas of society within men and, and who it's affecting. And the one that or kind of the, the background to the people taking their own lives, the one that got me was that quite a majority of those were people who had tried to get in touch with Samaritans or with another kind of reach out service, which is there to try and tackle those, those issues and try and make that connection. And I've, i've kind of alluded on the past shows and in that section to the fact that a lot of this is about sort of men individually and as a club and as like as friendship groups it's about picking up on that and and helping it it's there's there's a good service out there for us if we reach out and find it the problem is that with men with anxiety issues it's it stops you from doing that you can't you know, reach out in that time when you need it the most. Yep. It's tough to really do that. And this show that we're doing and talking about is helping, uh, it seems to be a lot of that older group, you know, the 50-year-old plus who are kind of suffering in silence a lot and trying to set an example for them and for younger groups to come and talk. But seeing a stat like that, where it's people who have actually tried to reach out are still taking their own lives, is um, it's just distressing to see. And it's maybe something that's, is worth talking about more in those services that are there and how can we help, you know, either fund it or, or support it as well. If, if people are getting out in touch and taking the time to call up and say they've got an issue, then that's something, you know, that we should be trying to look at preventing for sure.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. And in this article from The Guardian, it, it's mentioned the same thing where there's still a spike in young people. It says especially women under 25. And like from a personal point of view, for both genders, the highest suicide rate was in Yorkshire and Humber. So that's like and it kind of yeah I know I've mentioned this before, like I do think there's sometimes like a north-south divide. And obviously I'm from West yeah, Yorkshire. Yeah, I saw that. I'm from West Yorkshire. And it's still like the whole like just roll your sleeves up when things are going to shit rather than act upon it. But that's like a, a really interesting concept I'd like to explore at some point.
1: That was really surpri- That was surprising, wasn't it? It was just very much that area of the UK which was topping the, the rates for both um for both genders. And do you think it is to do you think there is a bit of uh, we just get on with it. We don't talk about it. Um, don't don't complain too much kind of mentality.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Especially like sometimes I might bring in like the socialist group or just the people you're with, you don't really talk about it. I know I've mentioned before when I first opened up to our mates and everyone's a bit like dumbfounded by it. But I think it is maybe a bit of a lack of education. And I think oh, it's not as if like, York is beautiful. Like, it's a great place to live. It's not as if it's like there's anything go, like, bad happening going on there. But yeah, I think it's just more a case of People not talking when it is hit their lowest point.
1: Yeah, well, today, Mesh, you know, we're we're talking about disappointment and things that have come up in our lives and how we've handled it and the effects of it. So, as a as a Yorkshireman, you're doing a good good service Thanks, in, in in having 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 this discussion and leading the way for uh, hopefully for others to to follow suit as well. Thanks, class. Oh, very kind of you, Factor.
0: But I think just just before we start, I think. Some people might read this and say the disappointment chat. I think it's all like doom and gloom. What we're both trying to do here is talk about our own personal experiences of moments that have disappointed us and how, because we had a poor mental health at the time, how we probably exaggerated it. So I think now we can reflect on it look back. We can kind of provide a story of how we felt at the time compared to how we feel now and how we probably should have felt at the time.
1: I guess also how with the mindsets that we've generally got now, and in putting ourselves back into those positions, the outcome wouldn't have been the same. Yes, it would. We would have been able to handle it a bit more. So it's it's disappointment, but it's it's really just about yeah. also it's the personal expectation as well. It's not kind of you know the external uh, disappointment. It's it's how we were at the time and how that exacerbated what whatever the outcome was and could have been better or worse.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think what we're probably going to lead to in our sort of experiences, it's, it's all pretty relatable. Although our circumstances might have been unique, 100% those sort of things have happened to other people. Um, and yeah, I think yeah. both men and women sometimes don't know how to do with it
1: when shit has done. Yeah. They, I imagine they'll recognise times when uh, they've been let down or they've um, felt disappointment and then gone on to do something else from that and change their mindset in some way. And then look back and kind of see that moment as like a lived lesson something something that because I I, what I think about a lot with this is I wonder if I would have listened to someone if they'd have kind of tried to explain stuff to me you know in terms of perspective like life perspective and looking back on it um, whether it would have had an effect or not I bet I generally just think it would I would have liked that that's just my, maybe that's just my personality type. Maybe that's just, you know, how I mentally was at the time. But I I do know that these kind of conversations that we're having now, and then we've we've said this before, hearing this kind of thing back at the time um, might've opened up that kind of, um, that perspective and that discussion point. So uh, I definitely think that's that's true for me, but I don't know if it is for other people. Maybe it's something you've just got to go through and it's a lived thing and then you just come out of it stronger at
0: the end but I'm not sure yeah definitely mate Yeah, if I think you hit them nail on the head like you just have to learn from these experiences and I think what we'd like to talk about we're going to talk about a few moments in both of our lives now looking back on it I've probably obviously at the time you think the world's falling apart but now you realise that's obviously benefited you in the long run Um, I think the first moment for me was I alluded to in the uh, the first first intro chat when I first went to the GP and got diagnosed with depression when I was 18 and that was kind of coinciding the facts that I I failed my biology level. So I was meant to go to Glasgow to do sports science, needed ABB. i got ABC in the biology. But as soon as I did that biology exam, I remember the day as soon as I'd done it. And to be fair, I knew I'd messed up like two or three questions. So I just kind of knew at that point, but having said that, I didn't prepare myself for when obviously I opened up the results and I was pretty grateful. I went to a great school, but I think the problem with that kind of, if you didn't go to university, you're not like a success kind of thing. Because they always obviously just leading you up to go to university. And don't get me wrong, like, I didn't really think about what... I was kind of forced into a corner about what A level to pick, what degree to pick. I didn't really know until probably final year. And that's why I think at the time, obviously I thought the world was crashing apart. But on the flip side, I was able to take a gap year, reset that biology exam, and actually go and do English totally different course at a totally different university. And that was so... Like, Looking back, obviously now I wouldn't have known, but when I thought my world had fallen apart, yeah. this it's happened like for the best in the sense of actually studying something I enjoyed, went to a place, met some great mates. But at the time, you just think, oh, my mates are going to uni. I'm going to have to take an, yeah. an unpredicted gap year. What do I do? And I think a lot of people out there have probably failed exams in the past. And it's weird because I think your parents and the teachers are a bit like, they don't want to leave you to the side, but it's a bit like, oh, I kind of told you so. But sometimes it is down to look. Sometimes the questions don't turn up or you can revise as long as you want.
1: you are not feeling it that day. Well, what was your build up to the exam? like? Because obviously ad- adolescents and that age, teenagers, like they'll take pressures in different ways and they'll have different expectations, like you said, from friends in school. Were you in an anxious mindset leading up to it or were you generally confident and it kind of came as a real shock?
0: I think a little bit anxious because basically I did I did four a levels AS A-levels in, in my lower six, then we had to get rid of one to do for a A-levels. And what was quite funny, I got a B in history, and I got a D in biology in lower six. But my ego was like, I don't want a D on my, my report. I'm going to drop history and do biology, even though I knew I wasn't as good as biology as other people. So that was like my ego in the way. I should, obviously, in hindsight, I should have just got rid of biology. It would have been fine. But like I said, I thought I was just going to do sports science. I didn't know what I was going to do at the yeah. time, so I kind of always knew that bulge was bit in my kryptonite. tonight. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I worked hard. Like I just, I'm not naturally clever. I just like worked my ass off. And luckily the draw. Those questions, the questions that I didn't want came up.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, yeah. Like I said, like as soon as I did the exams, like I knew I didn't do it. But the next time I did, when I resat, granted I was like working. I was working part time, but I just knew I had that one exam in January. So I spent like two or three months revising solidly, and obviously.
1: So the year you took out then, because I remember you saying it was when your mates and everyone were off having, is that the right, having the time of their lives in the first year and you were having to do the job and then also get ready for this exam.
0: Yeah, that was, I did find that quite tough because well, I was grateful I had support, support. Like I played men's rugby and stuff, met mates there. But like I said, like, not many of my mates were at home at the time. And we just, you know, like, were just at different life points in the sense of I still went to uni the next year, had what they had the year before but it just happened more delayed. But obviously when you're 18, 19, you just think, you always, do, you, without being cliched, you don't see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You don't realise it's, it's obviously happened for the best.
1: So now that you look back on that now, do you, like we were just saying earlier, do you kind of, would you have really appreciated either a teacher or someone coming up and, and really explaining that and, and making that clear? Or do you think actually it's just something that, you know, you had to kind of go through to kind of put it into perspective anyway kind of thing as it was just going to happen.
0: Probably could have done with a teacher like Sharky. But he Mate, said uh, not He couldn't. Exactly, like What he said last in the last episode about when he told his kids like in the grand scheme of things, your exam results, obviously a bit part of your life. I think I kind of needed someone just to say that because I was like, well, don't get me wrong, it was a great school. Like the teacher were great, but they were just like, you have to go to uni. You have to get like a top job. You have to do that. Like, and to be fair, a few of my mates that like, didn't go to uni, and you could see the teachers were a bit like, why are you not going to uni? And they're doing, they're doing great now, they're doing fine, but it's not for everyone. Yeah, It kind of gave me an opportunity to like, step back. So obviously you can go through clearing, go to other universities. And then when I saw the options of clearing, I was like, I don't really want to do a course I don't really want to do somewhere I don't really want to go to. So I was like quite mature in that sense. I like, could happily just take a step back, take that like, year out. It's the same thing as like, just stepping into the unknown. And obviously stepping into the working world like after, after I did my, yeah. exam, after I did my exam, I got a full-time job.
1: So early on as well to yeah. get into that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I got a full-time job and it was just like, got a full-time job because obviously I didn't know if I was going to pass my results. Got a few months later. The adventure was like, yeah, grateful, got in. You went to Oxford, you must've had similar sort of incidents in the sense of you've been around like fairly intelligent people. There's probably a lot of pressure. I'm not saying you're an intelligent factor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just just a correlation but it doesn't mean anything anyway. no, it was um, yeah it was pressure Oxford and Cambridge you know they actually do have um, comparatively high rates of uh, mental health issues yeah. Um, yeah compared to other universities I think just because you know pressure of I guess when you go there it is just like to point out I did a postgrad degree there I did a masters in creative writing so I'm not okay. putting myself in the same camp as someone doing like a, a proper undergrad degree where it's every waking moment is just study study so I knew people like that so when I got into the rugby the rugby scene there I was you know doing a few hours a day and trying to play rugby and I was playing with people who were literally waking up just working all day fitting in the training session going back to work you know back to the library and stuff to get their degree done so they were really struggling with you know juggling those two things just generally I think you know that kind of, the blues campaign the the rugby side of it which i obviously wanted to get involved in and it's something that was on my radar from quite a young age as well yeah is was kind of trying to achieve that ambition so there was a lot of pressure on me anyway going going into that season and a bit of a mix you know but obviously i put pressure on myself but then there's other pressures there's sort of family pressure and friends and expectations and getting into it I was kind of um, I just lost a bit of track I just lost perspective a bit on on the experience of being there and it's you know it's a great place to be you're meeting all these people and you're there to you're, in any other rugby setup you're part of a team so like you're competing with people but essentially you know with HSC, we all go out afterwards for for a drink yep. if you lose your position it's fine the difference with the Blues is that there's just one game that matters so it's just the Cambridge game at the end of it so yep you can have a fantastic season in all the games if you don't play in that game it doesn't count really in in anyone's mindset so the pressure's all on that game leading into it and the more it went on i just started narrowing my focus and uh, so i was in a very i was in a bad state mentally all the way into that game um did you play did you play games previously yes yeah, so i was i was i was playing a few games previously so um and I was yeah. in good shape, you know. I liked like physically, I was, you know, the, i was the best kind of shape I've been in. But mentally, I was pretty shot, yeah. to be honest. Remembering, you know, lying up calls, just, just, I would just freeze at times, on the in the game, um, and then compensate for that with the physical side trying to try and keep myself in contention. So, I remember, I remember one session in particular where I woke up and I was just, just pinned to my bed. Yeah. And I couldn't, um, I just couldn't really move. I was so, you know, mentally fatigued or or down about it, uh, about the training sessions and, and being, you know, monitored all the time. And the game was getting nearer and nearer. So it took me a long time to get out of my room to go to training. And that was kind of the biggest hurdle throughout the whole session. Uh, so throughout the whole time there was going to that session. So, and then, yeah, so then just, you know, got to the game and was on the bench, didn't get, didn't get on in the end. The real disappointment from it was actually, there was a time in the game when I thought I was going to come on. Yeah, so five minutes to go, I'm, I'm getting warmed up and I'm ready and I'm about to get on the pitch. And then, so I'm looking around and so sort of my friends and family are all there, everyone's come out to watch. And I just have this kind of like, this crashing sensation that this isn't as important as I thought it was. Really? Yeah, when I was warming up, I was ready to go on and get, you know, this blue, yeah. which is the whole the whole point of it, me being there, was to do this yep. in my mind i should have been doing other things i should have been enjoying myself but i wasn't i was just focusing on this one thing and i just kind of looked around uh twickenham and i was just like what have i done for the last like six months but then even before that what have i been aiming for for the last few years in my mind it was so huge it was such a kind of focal point and it was just so not you know <laughs> the thing that I thought it was going to be. And there was the double disappointment, obviously not getting on, but even the fact that if I had gone, it was never going to be what I thought it was. And that kind of, that really triggered my down slope In the, for the next two years. I didn't come out of that, really. I was kind of reeling from that moment uh, and then figuring out what do I, what do I want to do with my life? You know, if this if this was so huge to me and it didn't, it wasn't the thing that I thought it was going to be, how do I get myself up? You know, for the next challenge. How do I tell myself that it's important? I couldn't find any motivation. I was completely burnt out, basically, by the whole thing for quite a while.
0: Would you say you struggled or like beat yourself up because you went there for that sole reason and then you only made the bench? thing come on. So, do you think if you started the game, you wouldn't have potentially not felt like that?
1: You You obviously you don't know, but I don't. it's hard to say. Yeah. yeah, that's that's tough. Whether it's just the coming on or not. I think if you come on if you start the game, you're just in the game. Yeah. So you don't think of it, you're playing a game. It was the fact that there was no kind of outlet of all of these oh, yeah. you know, emotions Correct. that's pent up, which I think was probably more about it. So that was, yeah, for me, that's just my, that's really my turning point in both my rugby side and my personal life. So I don't take rugby that's, as seriously. I don't think I'll ever take anything as seriously as I took that again. Yeah. And I think that's just kind of, that's just a maturation thing. That was just me becoming like an adult, basically. It's just it's just growing up and it came a lot later for me than it does for other people, I imagine. You know, it was probably, obviously, quite a sheltered, uh, you know, life when that's your main concern is getting blue from Oxford. It's not, you know, it's not real life in in a, in some sense. So...
0: I think that's the same concept for a lot of people in the sense of what you've worked, say, a whole year is trying to get to this point. You've built it up, gets that point, it's not what you lived up to be. And then I think Especially when you're probably in a poor mental state, you kind of blame yourself about it. Oh, that's what I did. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It just kind of felt just a bit ashamed in a way, because then I kind of saw it as other people must have seen it, and just like you know, it's great, but it's not. You know, it's not everything. You know, why? Why are you beating yourself up as much as this? And then a year later, I was in. As we spoke about earlier, that was my lowest point yeah. in mental hiccups. I was just completely going going from that, and then going into starting a job at the bottom rung when I'm 26 and you know, everyone else has got on with their life and they faced more realities than I had. So I, I, they were all coming in a big wave at once. And yeah, just coming out of that was, um, was tough. So I think just yeah, the, the lesson that I took, if, if you think that the end point is going to be more important than the journey, then you've done it right. wrong. Basically you, you have to have the the journey side and it's kind of like, it's, it seems like an obvious lesson, but it wasn't to me at all. Uh, I thought that this would kind of solve all of my anxieties and my worries and concerns, but I saw that even if I'd done it, it wouldn't have fixed that. So I think I was just lucky to have a chance then with the checks to really go out and make sure I enjoyed the process. And I was just, you know, warm to the people when I was out there. Uh, Obviously you're feeling nervous and anxious, but it wasn't the same as before because it's all in perspective. And if you make it, then you great. If not, it's not going to break you. And, Fortunately, that one went well. That went better, so I got into that team, and then um, that ended up in a good spot.
0: And that's a great way of spinning it, in the sense of we can't go back in a time machine. But say if you played that Oxford game, like who knows? You might never have played for Czech. Like you never, you might have just been like, "Oh, I don't want to do that." Like you can't. I think you can't. From the sounds of it, you knew that you had unfinished business, and you knew you could have done something more. It's probably why you went to
1: Czech. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, I don't think I would have done that if I'd have if everything had gone swimmingly with Oxford there's no way I would have wanted to try that out and see if I could do that kind of thing and just have like the perspective to make sure that I didn't take it take it seriously but don't let it consume you that's that's the that's the lesson I guess and I kind of I look out for that now a lot more with if I see uh people younger people in particular who are getting and I think from what I hear that you know people are very extreme now about stuff and they feel like it's not just here it's just like you know around the world especially kids at schools like you had your pressures to deal with and and I had mine but comparatively now it sounds like those pressures are just getting more and more it's just looking at ways of explaining trying to explain to to younger people that you know there is like you said there's light at the end of the tunnel and um, it is just a moment but then you know, it's, it's had good and bad outcomes as well. And the good side is that like, I won't, I won't take anything that seriously again, I don't think. And so there's a relativity that comes with that. But then there's also, you know, it's kind of like you wake up and realize that Santa doesn't exist kind of thing. You know, you <laughs> just, just, like, that's life. You know, it's only as valuable as what you put into it. It's not going to be more than that. If you don't give it meaning, it's not going to, give anything back to you so it's just a two-way street when I thought it was just one way to
0: that's so true though isn't it it's just it's flipping in on its head and I know this comes with time but I think it's great that you've been able to that change your perspective obviously take it into like your future career playing rugby or whatever just knowing that's not the be on end all it's everyone's got different priorities and values in life but I think it's great that you've obviously learned that through the disappointment of the Oxford game
1: yeah yeah it was a big it was a big lesson to, to get that and it's I'll I'll keep it in, you know, for whatever I do next, whatever it is, I'll essential to go through it, I guess. But did you have any other any other moments, any knockbacks that
0: I think just echoing you've come through from the back of you from like a sporting occasion. For quite a few years I've been like depressed in an active way before I saw a professional help. The penny kind of dropped for me was a couple of years ago. It's about 2017, just before Christmas. So I trained to do a white-collar boxing fight in London. Never boxed before, but always loved it. I like, did my dissertation on uh, an African-American boxer, Jack Johnson. Always been intrigued, by. I always watched it. I've always wanted to do it. And I just popped up on Facebook and I was like, you know what? I'll just do it. Never boxed before. Just a 10-week crash course, two, three times a week, to eventually have a fight at Clapham Grand. Don't think I could have been any better physically. But then, obviously, didn't realise at the time. But afterwards, I realised I could have been so much better mentally. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of in any sport or life, I've never like I wouldn't say buckling under pressure, but I just let myself beat me up whilst I was like fighting in the ring. So I was very fortunate. It Must be about 80, 85 people come like through work, mates. Like my dad and brother drove down in the mo- in the evening, drove back home like got home like three in the morning. My mum had no idea. She obviously didn't tell it. Like they didn't. My mom had no idea until like the next few days. And she was like, "Oh God, didn't tell me." But yeah, there was loads of things. Like I was meant to come out at nine. Like I got delayed to like twelve. So obviously I was there from four. So I was there from like four to twelve. I was in Clapham ground for eight hours, just in the background, just seeing people come in and out.
1: So what are you? Do? Are you waiting for your 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 ticket? fight? You have to get there
0: early. Exactly. Um, exactly, mate. We're in a change room. I thought it was a bit weird. It was a male and female change rooms together. You were in the red corner. I think I was. No, was I red? Yeah, I was in the red corner. The blue corner's opposite with everyone else. I knew I was quite late on, but people just, you just see people coming up just like blooded and bruised. And like you couldn't, you could go out to the back, you could go out to the outside, but it was a bit hit and miss. Because I didn't really want to spend time. I wanted to see my mates, but everyone was like obviously really pissed. Like two of my mates were sick, like double pints. (laughs) I know when everyone's like boozies, like I should do this, this, this. It's like, yeah, whatever, mate. I'm pretty good at just keeping myself away, like locking myself in a box. But yeah, I did that. And then, Unfortunately, I lost on points. But before that, I kind of knew. I remember getting the tube like that to the, to the to the fight. And in my head, I was like, it's going to make me if I win or it's going to break me if I lose. Really? And yeah, 100% in my head, I was like, and obviously, I lost on points. Like, the guy deserved to win. He'd done, like, a few fights before. It wasn't, like, comprehensive. But I always remember after the first round, the trainer was like, oh, you just got, like, I just kept jabbing. He's like, use your right hand. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I will. And then, I don't know why, I just, like, it's such a weird sensation. Like, I'd never had it before where everyone just felt someone just pushing down on my shoulders and I just couldn't get my right arm up. It was so weird. And I remember when I went back to the corner, the guy was obviously great. He's like, mate, you, like, make sure you use your right hand. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't do it. i oh, like, I've lost. I've lost. And I just needed something. That, like, even after the first round, I was like, I've lost. I just needed him to be like, mate, don't like. I was just beating myself up before it would finished. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just really like beat myself up. But
1: is that because you you think you could have done trained any differently and got yourself in the shape, or just because you were just frustrated? I
0: don't think physically, but mentally, a hundred percent. Because I felt as if me losing the first round, I just I don't know. I wouldn't say I let it get to me, but I was a bit like I knew what I needed to do, but something was weird. I just couldn't couldn't fathom it, and like ended up like the biggest thing for me was that obviously I had loads of my mates there, like they didn't leave till about just after 12. A lot of them missed their last trains home and just had like a real sense of guilt. And that was the biggest thing for me, I think. And to be fair, I've actually paid it off. I paid off my credit card. I only got to pay off my credit card during the pandemic. But after that, for like two or three weeks, I just, it just bits like just going out, just being like boozing, and gambling, like that ridiculous stuff. But back then, obviously I can realise that I just needed someone to put, an arm, like, to put an arm around me. And obviously I just felt, I felt terrible for my mates, like spent like 40 quid a ticket to come in and I like, lost some points. Yeah, and it wasn't until I actually had professional help with the cancer, we kind of talked about moments of my life and I was like, I was like, this is eating me up. And he came up with a really good exercise, which obviously I never, ever did. He was like, text three of your mates that were there and ask them how they felt. Texted all three of my mates, they were like, mate, one of the best nights I've had, like, I was good for you, they didn't win so I knew how much it meant to you. Uh, I wish I could do it. And that just like that was when I finally got begun to get over it. And like you said, like looking back now, when I was like, "Oh, it'll make me if I won, or break me if I lose," it actually made me because I lost. If that makes sense, yeah. Like if yeah, if if I won the boxing so fight, I don't think I'd have gone to, profess- to see professional help. I'd have just yeah. Have-
1: and the whole the whole dichotomy between that was in itself that's a sign that that it needs something needs to change after that. I guess because if you yeah. if you were saying to yourself, "This is make or break," then obviously that's. That was the next hurdle to go. over.
0: If it made me, if I won that boxing fight, I don't think I'd have seen professional help. I, that'd just been another short-term coping mechanism that'd have sorted it for maybe who long, who knows. And then yeah. it was a real like penny drop moment for me, and I like, think because obviously after it happened, for like it took me months to get out. Like I didn't, like I said, I didn't get over it. To probably saw a therapist like maybe like five, six months afterwards. But I just remember doing it, and I'll just probably, maybe the same for you. I don't know if you had that same feeling with the varsity match, but I just thought like. I just wasted 10 weeks of my life. Like, why have I even trained for that if that's come the end result? Because I, that was the thing. I just, hold oh, that win lose mentality, like, like you said, finding that one road when there's actually two ways to get to it, the end point. But
1: it's also asking, isn't it? How, like, why, like you said, if you had won that, you would have uh, presumably either done another fight or found something else to kind of fill whatever that, you know, that, yeah. that issue or that void or something is. I mean, how, for you, what, can you put your finger on that? The why, why do you came across? Because you said you saw it and then you just went for it. If you look at it, you know, break it down, what, what do you think is going on there for you to to take up those kind of challenges?
0: I don't know. I feel as if I think always in life I've kind of needed like, not something to look forward to, but like a structure or a challenge. So I have to be fair, after that boxing fight, I did like half marathon. And that was another moment where I wasn't ready mentally. I aimed to get two hours. It's like two hours, six. And I just beat myself up by it. Same thing with like, why have I done this? Why have I trained? Didn't think about, oh, it was a hot day, or like my knee hurt. Didn't think about that. I didn't think about grateful that I just actually finished it. But it just kind of changed that mentality, like you like you said you have, like playing for the check. realise it's not the be-all and end-all.
1: Yeah, I think that's,
0: that's a tough thing, especially, a like win-win-win yeah. mentality.
1: But I, the thing is about what I think back on now and ask myself is, I look at my check time and then I look at my Oxford time in terms of purely playing performance like as a as a a rugby player and I I think I wonder which time when I was a better player or not and it's not an easy it's not like oh well obviously when I was feeling better mentally I was a better player thing it's it's not as simple as that and then so it's kind of like uh, it chases its own tail because then I was sort of saying what do I really want to be? You know, do you want to be, Yeah, do you want to play rugby again? Yeah, do, do and it, that it kind of answered the it kind of like this the, the the answers that you sort of sound like you came to with therapy. I kind I think like the check thing was my therapy really. Yeah. I, without that was my, for me the the unlocking of the fact that oh I I can still play to a you know good standard and not put myself through. This mental turmoil, or this, you know, these down moments.
0: When, sorry, fact. When you when you say Czech thing, you mean play for Czechoslovakia? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah for playing yeah. for the Czechs, like I, I wasn't. You know, the, the the mindsets were so different. Like, I, yeah, of course, trying to explain how different those were, those mindset in terms of I have teammates, you know, at the Czechs now, and I'll go in, and you know, we don't even speak the same bloody language, but yeah. I feel I feel closer to them. And that's that's kind of one of my regrets actually is that that Oxford experience should have been for a lot of those those boys who were playing you know was, even if they didn't get on the pitch they had you know they can look back and have such great you know memories and they'll probably have those friendships there I don't really have those friendships and they were and I know that they were great people and I know that the setup was incredibly open to people talking about about mental health issues you know we had I, I, I won't go into details with it but I remember having these discussions with the team in quite, you know, very vivid detail where people were very open and honest. And I kind of shied away from that because I thought, well, I'm giving you an edge. You know, if I, I, I'm not on your team, really, you know, there's only one game and there's only one spot here. So this is more important to me than me telling you how I feel about this. And so my priorities were just completely off. they were just way off. And in all likelihood, if I had approached it more openly, you know, who knows, you know, I might've, you know, felt closer to the team and things might have been different on the pitch. So it's not an easy answer, but I definitely just think that the checks thing. I think I was a better player. Maybe not the physicality, but just just more open and just more receptive to things. That just helped in its own way. So
0: and that's the thing, I think is just obviously learning. Everyone that cliche is like learning from your mistakes, learning from mishaps. But yeah, it is like so true in the sense of I don't think I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever felt as much pressure doing that boxing fight. But like after that, like the amount of like talks of it at work, like I've spoken about my own mental health hiccups like in front of a couple hundred people. Like I'm just more, before then, I'd never have that. But I have that moment now to reflect back on being like, I'll never be as nervous as that point. I don't think yeah, I've been that yeah. nervous until probably, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, honestly don't know like when I've been that nervous.
1: Yeah, it's true, it? As I feel the same way. Yeah, just like at that point you don't, you can't imagine yourself, it may well happen, you know, that's the thing. And yeah, if it does, if it exactly. does happen, you've got the, you've got the kind of, you got to, you can fall back on that and say, oh, that this is like this time. And I came through that. So maybe this time we're the same, but it is very much. Yeah. I think I can empathize with your, the thought process that that was, cause it, cause it's, when you say it to other people as an outside perspective, it's just like, you know, come on, like what, you know, they, they don't, to get in someone's head is the hardest thing to do. So true. And we, I, I certainly don't do it well. And um, you know, this, these podcasts have actually tried to get me to do it a lot more. And like you were saying, just, just stopping and just like, even when I was researching to, you know, the, the uh, diversity BLM thing. And I was looking at how many people I was like, Oh, what's wrong with these people? Yeah. And I was actually, I was actually like, Oh, what is wrong with them? What is going on with them? And yeah. trying to actually just, you know, not just judge straight away and actually try and get into their heads a bit more and, you know you, you might come to a different point but that's yeah that as a lesson from that it's um I don't know how do you feel do you think that if someone if an older you walked down the street and said to biology a level meshy or uh, boxing one mate this is you know, this is going to be fine trust me it's all it, it will work out okay would you have believed them or do you think it is something you just have to go through and feel the real the strains of it to actually get the lesson from it
0: It'd be nice if at that time someone was like, you'd be okay. But it's obviously up to you to find that okay, isn't it? Don't get me wrong. It's just good to have that reassurance being like, oh, it's going to be fine. But you know, sometimes some people just say that without probably thinking. Um, So sometimes you do need to have that experience to be like, yeah, bang. Life's all about developing. I think we've all kind of
1: learned as we've got older as well.
0: You kind of do have to go through.
1: Yeah. How do you do? um, Do you have any, do you just, do you just take it as kind of like a, a life lesson now and it's just part of your makeup dealing with disappointment when it comes up now or do you did you take any like you know steps or something or set like a set response now when you get bad news or if you get something come back how do you deal with it now
0: I think in the uh, in the past obviously disappointments I didn't really deal with my emotions like with a lot of things about health but now I think if a disappointment happens I know deal with my emotions first and then maybe the events consequences afterwards there's always there's always a way around it but could be the next week, It could be like months, could be years later, who knows, but you've just got to learn from disappointments, I believe. Well, that's my
1: opinion. That's a great point though, to say that just handle the emotional side of what you're feeling and first, rather than trying to rationalise everything and how it's going to spell out, you know, a bad result, just accept that you're feeling something first.
0: Yeah, and you know me like sometimes I do have a short fuse,
1: think, like say stuff without thinking or do stuff
0: without thinking, but now if you do with your emotions first, then, to believe the consequences will just fall into place, yeah.
1: All right, Meshi, enough talk about disappointing times in our lives. <laughs> it's, ta- it's time for triple threats. Haven't done one, you know, feels like a long time. Do you have uh, a coin on you? I do
0: have a coin, so i flip it. Loser's got to do a song, story, or joke. And I feel as if you have you keep calling it and you keep winning. So I would like to. Oh, that's cool. This gonna, you can see on You're going to call your own coin. <laughs> well, have you got a coin? Uh, uh, no, I trust
1: you. I trust you, Mesh. You go.
0: Yeah, I'll, you, know, you can see it on yeah, camera. Yeah, yeah. Right. Tails. Oh, heads. That means it's me, isn't it? Oh, see, look. Honesty. That was honest of you. This is an absolute joke. Right. So I think back of the beginning we both did a song and I got peppered for mine. People were like, oh, this is a great episode apart from your singing. So I like to, I like to do some wrongs. No, what's the, what's the phrase? I like to write right some wrongs. Write right some wrongs. I like to write some wrongs. Okay. Oh, I can't wait for this. Right. Excuse <clears throat> me. Right. Look into my eyes, you will see what you mean to me search your heart search your soul and when you find me there you'll search no more and don't tell me it's not worth trying for you can't tell me it's not worth dying for you know it's true everything i do i do it
1: for you that's for our listeners we do this for our listeners i I enjoyed that i liked it in in the middle when you you went kind of quieter and it kind of it was a haunting beauty to the to the notes i did my workout this afternoon to karaoke
0: classics and this this cropped up so i've spent the afternoon watching videos of brian adams
1: lovely love that till next time maybe the coin will get me then
0: As you can probably tell, music wasn't high up on my A-level choice list. But there we go, the end of episode 7. Please like and share on Instagram and Twitter, at AllChatsPod. And as always, any feedback is greatly appreciated.